Welcome to the Podcast Potables Network, part of Underground Sports Philadelphia. You can find all things Underground Sports Philadelphia at Underground PHI. You are listening to Process Potables, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating, and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Process Potables. For news, info on breweries we've worked with, and more, check out www.processpotables.com. Process Potables is on tap, but first, our friends in the presence of wolves. What's going on, everybody? This is episode 56 of Process Potables. This episode is titled, Whoever's Not With Us, All You Fuckers Go to Hell. Go to Hell. This is Dan, joined by Steve. Steve, how you doing? How you feeling? We are now four episodes into the Last Dance documentary. We just finished watching episodes three and four together. It is Sunday night, and... Man, like, I am just high off of the fucking vibes I got from that Rodman episode. Let me start off by saying this. This uh, weekend, I've been looking at the glass half empty, so to speak. We were supposed to be in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The Eagles draft was fucking... I don't know what that was. We even drafted a guy named Sean Bradley. The jokes write themselves, and it just... Kind of wasn't looking forward to it tonight, man. But then we we knew, we said last week that oh the Dennis Rodman episode's coming, and it did. And dude, it just like it's it's way past my bedtime, but I'm feeling fucking I'm riding that high right now. That that was such an awesome episode. Yeah, we knew this one was going to be up there already, and I think that it was definitely the best episode of the series so far. I'm going to get this out of the way unless you really have anything, but like I thought the fourth episode was pretty boring, so yeah. I, I really just kind of want to hammer that third episode home and just go go at nauseum as much as we can about Dennis Rodman and some of the stories. First off, I would like to shout out Carmen Electra, Dude. who looked absolutely <laughs> fucking incredible. She's 48. She's 40. Well, okay. I thought she might have been older, so Me actually- too. You know, for four, I mean, she's like for forty-eight, still looks yeah. amazing. But I thought she was probably well into her like fifties, maybe mid-fifties. So, all right, forty-eight, I, I I can get by. But I mean, I told you, and now I already uh, Margot Robbie, like that's who yeah. came who came to mind when I saw her. And maybe it's because I just watched Wolf of Wall Street again the other day. <laughs> uh, sheesh! But uh, man, like she looked incredible. She was hilarious, and she's one of those people that. We knew about her and Dennis Rodman. That's not news to anybody, obviously. And I'm sure people have heard some of those stories. Even us, like, growing up at that time, heard some of those stories. She's one of those people that in a se- any kind of series like this, I feel like they're a character that normally when you see them brought on, you're like, oh, God, here we go. But yeah. she was actually very entertaining. Yes. She was only in there for a little bit. And it was arguably, to me, the best part of the episode, which is his 
vacation in the middle of the season where he just needed to let off some steam in Las Vegas, which, so, you know, we could all relate to, right? Absolutely. Just going in and telling our boss, listen, you got to let me just go to Vegas for a few days. And they say, yeah, sure, go ahead. So what you're telling me is we need more Carmen Electra and less Doug Collins. Yeah, a lot more Carmen Electra. More importantly, a lot less Doug Collins. Yeah. And very importantly, we need... Uh, you know, our own trips to Vegas whenever we deem them necessary for our own mental health. Um, there are a lot of good tweets. Everybody watching along with this, I would be. I I was. They talked about how good the numbers were for the first two episodes, and people were raving about them. I thought they would have been higher than that. I bet you this weekend does oh, even better. Yeah. There's no way anybody watched last weekend and didn't watch this weekend. And I bet people that may have been on the fence or skeptical heard all the praise that it received last week and tuned in so i think those numbers probably do even better and this rodman episode definitely helps let's kind of go through any any notes or anything that that you may have had on this my first thing i wrote this down before we the episode even started and it, and it kind of came to right away so before we kind of just go off and and laugh and and love with Dennis Rodman because I, I know we're, we're both pretty big fans of him and, and just love the the bits and the stories and the anecdotes, uh, you know, regardless. But Rodman starts the episode basically saying, like, you know, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen don't win without me. And plenty of people throughout this entire night were, most of them were trolling the guy I'm about to get to. But I had thought about this before the episode even started knowing this was probably going to come up. And I feel like Dennis Rodman... I guess I shouldn't say he draws the comparisons, but modern day Draymond Green right. draws a lot of these Dennis Rodman comparisons. He's clearly not a guy that I expect to just take a mid-season weekend in Vegas bender out of control, but his play on the court, being a defensive guy, a rebounding guy, being you know the third guy in that big three along with Steph and Clay. One, you know, what are your thoughts on that comparison in general? And two, where do you land on Rodman saying that? Jordan and Pippen don't win without him. And then, you know, answer that same statement for Draymond. Where do you think Stephen Clay's legacy ultimately ends up if they didn't have a Draymond Green? That's a good question. The common denominator, both the Bulls and the Warriors teams, is that they didn't have a dominant center or a big man. And Dennis Rodman was just a power forward, maybe a little undersized, but... I mean, listed at 6'7", which yeah. even that may have been generous. Yeah, it may have been generous, especially back then. And the dude just knew how to um, rebound. And he, he even talks the specifics of it. I and, and this episode, to me, that I took away is how intelligent of a basketball player Dennis Rodman is. He talks about how when Michael Jordan, when when he misses a shot or bounces a certain way, he knows to be on this position on the court. Like, he knew how to box out and what angle to get the rebound out. Like, those are just things that usually come naturally, but for him to explain it and go into much detail about it, I was like, wow. And and he even knew. We laughed when he, when he started off at Juco. He was averaging, like, what do they say, 27, 27 points, points a, game. a game. We're like, that's not Dennis Rodman. But he came in, he's like, all right, you know, I'm really good at defense. I'm really good at rebound. Like, he knew his ro role, and he just, like, took off from it. That's the overwhelming thing to me that I, I think I kind of knew, but maybe I didn't know how much. He truly embraced it and how early he did, but 
I have such a respect for a guy who knows his role, yeah. knows his limits, and is willing to just be like, fine, I'm going to be the best at what I'm good at, and, like, fuck the stuff I'm not good at. Like, I can work on it all I want. Like, some guys just have it and some guys don't. I don't have certain things, and I have other things. And also, like, I'm going to work my fucking ass off to do it. You meant that whole talk about figuring out rebounding angles is the type of thing that no one ever talks about. Oh, like, no. You know, learning how to rebound is not just standing on the court and it's not just being tall and it's not just boxing out. Every time somebody will just say, oh, he's not a good rebounder because he doesn't box out. It's not that that easy. Like, no. you know, I like we play a lot of ball far from professionals, obviously. But like, I will tell you that I don't think I'm very good at tracking where the shot's going. At all. And obviously that's because I don't sit there and study how guys shoot. And I don't sit there and study the angles and where it hits on the rim and where it goes because I'm not, I don't care. And dude, the, the polar opposite of this was when, when we drafted Jaleel Okafor. Yep, that's immediately when, what I thought. When of. he got 10 or more rebounds, got a double double, it's just. Because he was 6'10. Yeah, he was 6'10. He was in the right place at the right time. There was. He, he never battled for a rebound. He was never and, in a good And this position. team always fucking missed because they were terrible. Yeah. To go back that back far in time and seeing Rodman just, you know, talking about, like, the art of rebounding was just incredible. All right, so let's get back to, to the Draymond part. I don't feel like we really got oh, yeah, there. Yeah. So, before we get there, so Rodman says that Jordan and Pippen don't win without him. Do you agree with that statement? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And this episode did a great job of proving that. That's obviously the narrative they were trying to prove. Yeah. But I don't really think anybody would argue that. No. Uh, I think, and I, you know, to, to Jordan's credit, again, a lot of this stuff paints him a- as an asshole, and it certainly seems like he doesn't have a problem really calling anybody out. Even nowadays, it doesn't, there's obviously some relationships that he has not uh, let go. We saw the Isaiah Thomas stuff, yeah. which was so entertaining and, and so great to see that that's I will still. will continue to hate Isaiah Thomas. Still legitimate beef. Yeah, I never liked Isaiah Thomas, but. He gives a lot of credit to Dennis Rodman. I think even Michael Jordan would say, you know, even at this point where he no longer has to tend that relationship for his own success, that he needed Dennis Rodman. And this episode was all about how the Detroit Pistons were super physical and the Bulls had to learn to deal with that and toughen up and so on and so on. So then the next thing is, is do you feel the same way with Draymond Green? Do you think that Steph and Clay have the success that they have without Draymond Green there? That's tough. I think... I don't think they win it without him, but I don't think he's as important to the Warriors as Rodman is to the Bulls, if that makes sense. Yeah. But there's there's always the, those the similarities. He's undersized, but he just he knew his role on a team. He was very good defensively, and people 5, 10, 20 years from now will remember the Warriors for how much they scored every game and the three-pointers from Steph and Clay. but you, you need someone on the team that... To, defend at the end of the day like you just even if it's just one guy you need that and that's what they had in Draymond Green like a- Andrew Bogut ain't doing that shit for you <laughs> right well, Andrew, well the the first go around for Andrew Bogut he was pretty valuable to them even though he didn't play that much I agree with your point but here's what's weird about it is because I feel like the way that you worded it it's probably how I would say it in many would but I think it makes the opposite case weirdly because while Jordan and Pippen give Rodman credit for you know, being a rebounder, being a defender, they were both also very good defenders. I mean, Jordan won a def- right. you know, defensive player of the year, 
And and Pippen was considered all defense playing time. So like, if you're saying like, you know, could Jordan and Pippen have done some of the things Rodman did? Yeah. Now Rodman allowed them to spend their time scoring and Pippen being a you know the first point forward we really ever hear of and things like that, which ultimately led to their success. But Steph and Clay can't rebound. They really like no. Clay. Clay's a good defender, and and I think Steph is underrated because people think he's just like a swinging gate and I think he tries when it matters doesn't mean he's necessarily good or great right. yeah but I, you know I think he, he doesn't necessarily get picked on the way we've seen a lot of guys go I think he gets grouped in with that a lot but to that point I like there's no way that they nor anyone else on that team could pick up the slack of what Draymond Green did right. so it almost makes it seem like his value was more even though I don't think he's the better player nor do I think that you know, the Warriors are, like, the better team or anything. Yeah, and you're, <laughs> with all these kind of debates and questions, you're always going to have to preface well as a different NBA because, dude, a good, like, 10 minutes of that episode was just a Detroit Pistons beating the shit out the of The Jordan them. rule. Yeah, the Jordan rule, which that, I, I never heard that, but or maybe I don't remember, but... We've that, we, we've talked about how we'll, we'll probably... I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit every weekend, and I'm sure we're going to have to deep dive it toward the end about the LeBron-Michael Jordan thing. And I think that this episode, above all others, has to be the wake-up call for anybody that didn't actually see Jordan and thinks that there's a, a serious conversation there because LeBron has never faced anything like that while being a superior like size and athleticism guy to Michael Jordan in many, many regards. Right, and just... The argument people are always quick to bring up, well, LeBron's a, you know, a freak athlete. He, he towers over, if you were to compare him to guys like, uh, you know, Jordan Pippen, Isaiah Thomas, his, uh, size and his strength and athletic ability, like towers over everyone. But just because you're built like that, that doesn't mean you're tough. Right. So I, I just, that's, and, that's and listen, we're, we're two chubby white guys in a basement. I'm not saying LeBron's <laughs> the softest motherfucker on the planet. Like, you know, no. like we're just saying. I think that Jordan's in a different category, and I think to the point that you see that he got beat the hell up, and like, honestly, like, even though there's the whole, you know, walking off the court thing and the lack of respect thing that they talk about later, and and the beef between him and Isaiah Thomas, that he still kind of earned, like, some modicum of respect from them in the whole Bulls team did by like not whining and they talked about Pippen taking that foul from Rodman where he gets completely shoved in the back yeah. and and sh- like today would definitely be a flagrant two and an ejection and even back then probably should have been at least a flagrant one if not a two yeah, I think back then I, I don't think they had the ones or two yeah I probably flag- not I think a flagrant foul foul was a flagrant foul right yeah that I mean probably you're right <laughs> uh, but they talk about how him not responding to that specific foul really like set the tone and and the Bulls went on to finally overcome the Pistons from there. So, you know, that that conversation is going to continue to happen, but I feel like a lot a lot of these discussions there are things that are coming out in these series that enough people knew, but not everybody knew, and while you see normally when we hear about Jordan, we just see the same highlights. We see some of the dunks, right. we see the the shot against, against the, the, Cavs. the Cavs, we see the shot against the Jazz. Like those are those are the things you really remember. And then, like, they show, like, fucking Space Jam montages. Like, that's really what you get. And and, and him striking out for the White Sox. That's really all you get. So we're seeing a lot of things that I feel the average NBA fan hasn't seen. And I really think that there's going to be a a bit of a swing 
in this discussion. And and who knows? Maybe that swings the other way in in twenty years if we get a LeBron. That's let, true. You know, last dance series, but I I seriously doubt that'll happen. Nor nor will it be nearly this entertaining. No. Unless they have footage of, you know, Delonte West at his house hanging out with his mom and, and the reactions we get to that. that. That's the only part of that series I might be interested in watching. Who's the next person you know who will be buying or selling a home? Have them contact the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway for the most trusted process when it comes to real estate in New Jersey. Call today, 856-904-5636. That's 856 904 5636 and mention process potables for exclusive savings going through that episode one of the things that stood out to me uh as as you know i'm sure gary payton one of my all-time favorites part of part of my nba jam duo him and sean kemp who we have the uh the the pop figure right here Uh, i loved those sonics teams they were one of my first favorite teams growing up gary payton called dennis rodman the fuck up person because he (laughs) fucked up everything you wanted to do and like, that sounds funny from, like, anybody saying it, but they got Gary Payton to say that. Gary yeah. Payton, who is arguably, like, the best defensive point guard of all, time, of all yeah. time and one of the best defenders of all time, saying that about him, like, proves the impact that he had on these games that I think, again, while, like, people from that era give Rodman the credit, I'm not sure everybody really recognizes or puts as much respect on his name as maybe they need to. Yeah, and when he said the fuck-up, I was like, wait, is he really going to say how he's a fuck-up and talk about his character or his hair and all this shit? Like, that had me for a second. I'm sure I'm not the only one either. What I thought was interesting when you bring up his character and his hair was, like, if Rodman existed today doing all those things, like, most people wouldn't even bat an eye at it. In, in the culture that we have now, where a lot of these things are, are happening a lot more, out in the public eye... We're, we're growing to be, you know, we're growing to accept people more. You know, you could argue how much that, that really is. Yeah, if Dennis Rodman didn't dye his hair and have the earrings, some people just confuse him for uh, Russell Westbrook's dad. Like, the clothes and all that <laughs> weird, like, you're just like, what the, okay, whatever. Like, But I think it's crazy that back then it still seemed like, I'm sure a lot of guys were, like, probably a little uncomfortable, but I'm still surprised there wasn't more in here about people, like, giving him shit or excluding him or anything but like it seems like he was still pretty well received even with all that craziness and i don't know maybe it's because at least at that time he was still pulling in you know like pretty famous hot celebrity chicks yeah and and stuff and it's weird because people uh when they reflect on alan iverson's career people talk about he's the first one with the uh you know he, the bre- he did cornrows, the cornrows, first one wearing do rag to press conferences. All that stuff, yeah. Right. They so. talk about how, how AI brought in this quote unquote like thug Rapper, culture to yeah, culture. to basketball and it's like, did you fucking see what Rodman was wearing? Yeah. Although that wasn't thug that was No, 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 yeah. no yeah, but you know, like <laughs> it was not what anyone else was doing at no. the time at all. And it's not it's not spoken about nearly as much. Now obviously Iverson is giving credit, you know. In, in retrospect, as being very influential in a positive way because all the players like wanted to be able to do that and started being able to open up and, and wear the things they wanted to more. And it you know forced the NBA's hand at a certain point to enforce dress code procedure and stuff yep. like that. But whereas I don't really think anybody in the NBA in the early 90s was like, oh, Rodman's wearing that hat? That means I can wear that hat now? Because <laughs> you didn't see anybody else trying that no, shit. No, not at all. Nor was anybody else willing to wear a beret except Michael Jordan. I'm surprised we didn't see more of that. Yeah. Guys saw maybe it'd make him better it, or something. Yeah, and only he could pull that off. I mean, did he pull it off? 
Or is it just because he's so good you let it go? Yeah, exactly. Right. That's like his one weird thing. Uh, the the other thing that, that I loved, specifically being a, a guy who's into this kind of thing, but I saw Twitter having a good time with it, was Rodman going to Jordan's hotel room after he seemed like dis- after the game that he got thrown out of that pissed Jordan off because he was out there by himself. This was before Pippen returned from his from his surgery that he got done late. And Jordan tells a story about how Rodman came to his room and he never apologized. He just asked Michael Jordan if he had an extra cigar. Yeah. And somehow Michael Jordan, who really doesn't seem like the best, you know, communicator or to to quote Chip Kelly, the the wisest guy on emotional intelligence somehow was able to fucking figure out that that was Dennis Rodman's way of apologizing. Right. And not only did he figure it out, he accepted it. Yeah. That was the surprise to me. And then Jordan even said himself afterwards until uh, Pippen came back, he was a model citizen on the team. He, he said he was a straight arrow. Yeah. <laughs> Which we got a good kick out of. A few of my friends have come to me recently and asked, Dan, where do I go to get my podcast started? Every time, I send them to Anchor. Best part about Anchor, it is 100% free. Anchor will distribute your podcast to platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. They can connect you with sponsors if you're into that kind of thing. And they also have a ton of useful tools such as sound beds, transitions, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm sorry to tell you this, Steve, but this is the Doug Collins portion of the segment. Yeah. There was way too much Doug Collins in this episode for my liking. Dude, I his hair, how all like you said we we weren't part sure term, Jerry, part Jerry, Jerry curl. Like it was, I don't know if that's us being uncultured or if that's just an indictment on how fucked up his hair was. Yeah. Uh I think it was probably just a perm. <laughs> uh based on my knowledge of Jerry Curls simply from Chappelle's show. Yeah. <laughs> which is going to tell you all you need to know about, you know, how little I understand it's, about It's funny you do say that because there were definitely parts of this episode that felt like it was produced by Dave Chappelle. Right? Yeah. They were the, like Neil Brennan, like yeah. it did feel like a Chappelle show skit with like just like the players like talking shit on each other, the that, Rodman stories. That like. is one of the criminal things of this coming out now so far away is that we missed an entire window. Of, you know, where comedy could really hit all bounds and and go off the wall. And there would have been a lot of great things that could have come of this. But, one, it's not really that way anymore. And people don't push boundaries as much. And, two, because we're in this quarantine, there's not really anything happening right now for people to react. Even SNL might have been able to have a a, a little bit of fun with this. But they're all doing their at-home bullshit, which I haven't watched and will not watch because I cannot imagine it's good. Yeah. Uh, and this is pretty much the only thing that I'm tuning into every week is The Last Dance. It's all I have. And, dude, I just I just kept having this reoccurring thought that, like, I, I was waiting for Charlie Murphy to appear. And, like, he had some story with Dennis Rodman in Vegas. Like, like that, like, that had to have happened, but... Unfortunately, rest in peace, Charlie. Yeah, rest in peace. We'll pour one out here real quick. Speaking of resting in peace, it's it's kind of ironic the Dennis Rodman episode comes out after Kim Jong-un reportedly is dead or practically dead. He's either dead. dead or in a vegetative yeah. state or in great health. We don't fucking so, know. Yeah. So you had told me that you, you just finished tanking to the top, mm-hmm. which, I, which I had read uh, finished up about a week ago, I think. I don't want to go into great detail in that book. I want to save that for its own episode. But obviously, there's a good, tr- there's a, a, a chapter or two that covers the Doug Collins era in there. 
And I thought it was interesting because the first thing we see when Doug Collins is, is introduced in this is that he was the coach of the Chicago Bulls for three years. Yeah. And in Tanging to the Top, it is basically said that Doug Collins is a coach that can only exist for two to three years yep. because he comes in and the players love him and he wears out his welcome and everybody gets sick of him and then he has to go. And that's proven right away, even in this, all the way back to, like, what was his run? Like, 86 to 89? Yeah, it sounds right. I believe. And, man, like, he did have some lines that were funny, but there was also plenty of stuff that you're like, this is just a pandering asshole that, like, is eventually going to run his way out of town. And it seems like that's pretty much exactly what happened. Oh, yeah, we looked at each other. They're like, oh, was there any sense that you thought your time in Chicago was coming? And he's like, yep. And, like, that's it. And wouldn't say anything. Right, yeah. I even tweeted about that saying everybody in this thing has, for the most part, been brutally honest and candid. And, of course, Doug Collins is the only one that's like, I'm not going to elaborate on that. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need to give you anything, like, which is total bullshit. Why bother having him on in that case? Like I said, more Carmen Electra, who hid underneath a blanket and she was probably naked from Michael Jordan in that hotel room. And the, the Doug Collins thing really pisses me off because it's it's clear throughout this whole thing that Jerry Krause is always, like, lining up the next guy and pushing agendas and all these things. Like, no one had a problem painting Jerry Krause as a piece of shit, like, asshole yeah. this whole time. And it seems like Doug Collins, for some reason or another, is the only one that's not willing to give us any dirt. And that I'm not saying that necessarily it would have been about Jerry Krause, but I have to believe that there would have been something. He obviously brought in, I forget who the other guy was, but the guy that was first trying to pitch the triangle to Doug Collins, right. and then Jerry Krause got Phil to start learning it and basically was grooming Phil to be the next coach, which obviously then happens, and then they introduced the triangle and so on and so forth. The next thing that we saw that I found very interesting was the Sniff Brothers, <laughs> which was super awkward and really uncomfortable because it's just some fat white security guy leading us into a room of like seven dudes who are apparently all part of Jordan's security team called the Sniff Brothers because they sniff his jock strap. Because they're so close to him. Yeah, uh, this thing was weird and really uncomfortable. Maybe that's like a weird joke that you only get if you live in Chicago. I don't know. I Kind of weird. I don't know. But this was, I'd say as far as the, uh, I think this was still in the third episode, is like the only part that I was like, we don't need this. And they spent like a good like five minutes on it. And I wish we could have had that five minutes back for something else. Like uh, more Carmen Electra. Yeah, exactly. Um, the fourth episode really kind of moves into their push into the playoffs for that their first finals run. Uh, talks about them finally overcoming the bad boy Pistons. Talks about them beating the Los Angeles Lakers. The kind of passing of the torch from Magic Johnson to Michael Jordan. Uh, how Jordan finally gets his first one, says that he finally feels like he belongs in the company of a, like a Larry Bird and a Magic Johnson. Again, I, I thought that this one was kind of a lot of filler. It seems like this one was just kind of like, okay, we've already we've spent three episodes on, you know, individual character development for the most part of only four guys. So now we got to kind of speed this thing up, which is the first time in this entire series that I'm a little bit panicked about how the rest of it is going. Yeah, because. They talk about this really being focused on that last season, the 97-98 season, but so far, through four episodes, there's been so much backstory, and it really feels like they're slowly just moving through the entire time from Jordan being drafted to the end, and now four episodes in, we're only to the first ring. We know that they have four more, and then we're supposed to be talking about the season of the sixth, or, you know, the fifth from the first, however you want to look at it, and... 
I mean, at this point, I don't think there's any major players they need to expand on. Like, I don't think we're getting a Steve Kerr episode. Or, a, you know, Horace Grant or a Luke Longley. Or... So, last week, I, I, I asked you to try and kind of do a power rankings thing with me about, you know, the, the, the movers up and down. Clearly, Rodman skyrocketed up, up the charts this week, possibly the number one, uh, as far as, I think, just, like, general perspective you know, legacy, how people are going to view him. Like, I think he's going to get the mo- the biggest bump from something like this. Horace Grant was made out to be a bitch. Yeah. Uh, Horace Grant got fucked. Doug Collins, you know, was already at the bottom, and hopefully this just cemented him there. Jordan kind of tried to bury Isaiah Thomas a little bit, but Horace Grant. Horace Grant and then Scott Burrell. So, yeah. if you remember from last week, so Scott Burrell is the guy who is, like, the rookie sitting on the bench next to Jordan who asks him for a hug and doesn't get it. And now, this week, he's on the plane with Jordan, and I, I guess they're, like, making tea or coffee or something. And Jordan's sitting there to the camera talking about how this guy goes out every night, how he's not faithful to his wife, how he's an alcoholic. <laughs> and the guy's just like... Dude, my girl's gonna watch this. Please don't say this. This is gonna air someday. Please don't say yeah, this. Yeah, my, my mom and dad are gonna see. He's like, guess what, mom and dad? Your son's an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I saw, and I don't know how real this is, but I have no reason to not believe it. That apparently Scott Burrow's wife was on like Instagram today saying, "Last dance is on tonight. Who's got questions or oh, predictions no. or anything?" So like, you know, he fucking had to sit there with his family and watch that shit. Wow. And that was like the end of the episode. So it's like that happens, and then it shit is just. Is done so, and you got to go to bed. So because of that, he's got to be related to Pat Burrell, right? No, well, so like that seems like a, a shared family. Well, plenty team. of people were saying that Jordan must have mixed up Scott and Pat Burrell because of all these things. But <laughs> other than that, no, I don't think so. But you no, know, we we poured one out for Charlie Murphy, rightfully so. I think we got to pour one out for Scott Burrell because I think he's in for some shit. Oh, when, yeah. when you have this have to happen on a Monday uh, on a Sunday night. Going into a quarantine Monday, man. Like, you can't escape. You can't go to the club. You can't go to the bar. Oh, dude, he is sleeping on the couch. He, she ain't talking to him for at least three days. Like, that, it, it's it's going to be a very uh, interesting week in a Burl household. So, goddamn shame. So, uh, <laughs> Doug Collins and Scott Burl are now at the, at the bottom of my power rankings. And, and you know, not, not for any dislike on mine or Scott Burl, but he's just definitely in the doghouse. Rodman flies up. Is there anybody else that you really saw any movement up or down for the most part? No, not really. I think Rodman just really moved up for me. And uh, and so, I mean, I don't really have anything else. The last thing I would say is just I I love that Mike, when when Jordan is told, like, okay, like here's something that uh, that Isaiah Thomas had to say about all this. And he's just like, I, I don't care what he had to say. Like, you can show me anything, and I'm not going to believe it. And I was surprised at, at how how well Jordan responded to all this and how like psychologically he seemed to have analyzed this. He's like, he's like, why would he say anything different now? He's like, he said all this time he's been able to prepare his response. Like, I still know that it's going to be bullshit that he's full of shit. Like all this. And I was like, Damn, like he's exactly right. Like and you dude, can't give this guy all this time to figure out how he wants to spin it. And and you know when when the uh, Pistons finally lost to the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals, them just walking off the court, I think that is playing that plays a bigger role than people think. Like at that point, they just probably lost all respect for him. And I know they said, "Okay, whatever, we beat you." And Horace Grant was like, "They a bunch of bitches." But like I- I'm sure that. That kind of sat with Michael Jordan's like, all right, Isaiah Thomas, he's just a punk ass. Like we, 
you know, we, we've always kind of known that. And that's that's how their legacy ends, basically. The bad boys becoming a bunch of bad sports. Yeah, uh, you hate to see it. Uh, I also, I, I was I was thinking, I couldn't help but think when they talk about the end of, uh, when they talk about Jordan and uh, at the end of that game, how they told him to start looking for Paxton because he was open. And they talk about pa- Paxton hitting the oh, threes yeah. and all that. And I was like, do you think that he came up on Joel Embiid's uh, YouTube search of white guys shooting threes? Oh, he had to have. You think? Paxson, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Yeah, there's like the t- t- two of the two of the ones that probably go the furthest back on on his search on how to become a shooter. Probably both uh, featured in this series. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. So, a- anything else that you have from this? Any notes or anything? Uh, only other thing is, I would I did tweet at both ESPN and Netflix. They need to make some sort of limited series of uh, Rodman's trip in Las Vegas. Oh yeah. Now, is he going to remember all of it? No. But who cares? Like that, th- then that's like a good movie that you could have in the works, or you know, that that's something that I think uh, Danny McBride would be good at producing. So I, I think uh, that th- I, I would look for that down the line. Could if, if now they... who's gonna play Dennis Rodman in a movie? Oh, dude, I, I have no clue. My no. first thought is uh, uh, Donald Glover. Okay, he could do it. Yeah, I feel I feel like that would be an interesting role for him. Yeah, I I would watch that. I feel like, also though, if you wanted to see that, you could just watch the first Hangover movie. I'm not sure how That's different true. those things would be, yeah. and, and I wonder if there there was some if they were doing research for that in, into like some of the wildest stuff you ever did in Vegas. How to make like you know what does a, a really good wrecked hotel room look like? What 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 elements does it have to have? I wonder if Dennis Robin was consulted in yeah. any of those. And and in the beginning, he did say, oh, "Yeah, n- never got into drugs. Drugs was never my thing." He had a like he had it on a few rails in Vegas. Like he, I don't know, man. If it's not like, his thing, it's not his thing. You can just get fucked up being drunk. And and I, I mean, admittedly, I think without a lot of stuff, he was always just kind of already out there. I don't think he needed the drugs to alter his mind his mind state. I think that was one of the things you kind of learn about him. Yeah, I mean, look at how he is not on drugs. I don't know if he needed them. Well, I guess if you're dating Madonna and then Carmen Electra, you don't you. Sh- wouldn't really need drugs anyway. I mean, all the drugs Madonna Madonna did, he probably like was just getting like a secondhand high, yeah, just like exactly. fucking hooking up with her or, or, or hitting it or something like that. The last thing that I had was just like these numbers are, are crazy to me, and I'm surprised that you don't hear things like this more. This comes from our friend Sixers Adam. He tweeted this dur- during this that Dennis Rodman's rebounds per game per game at listed at six seven two hundred and ten pounds. 1991-92, a game, led yep. the NBA. 92-93, 18.3, led the NBA. 93-94, 17.3, led the NBA. 94-95, 16.8, led the NBA. 95-96, 14.9, led the NBA. 96-97, 16.1, led the NBA. Ridiculous. 97-98, 15, led the NBA. What's funny is that... Especially in saying the NFL, when there's a really high scoring game, like when when the Eagles won Super Bowl Fifty Two, they always have the analogy, "Oh, this is like a video game." These stats, like you don't see those stats in a video game for rebounds. Like that, that's the one stat when I was playing NBA Live back in day, whatever game, it was impossible to get that many rebounds. And for him to back then, when the game was so much more physical, like th- th- you'll never see those numbers again unless the style of play reverts back to it. 
Yeah, and, and, you know, the reason you can't even put them up in video games is because you're too busy chucking. And that brings us back to the beginning of this episode when we said that's one of the things that even prior to any of this that I always respected about Dennis Rodman over a lot of other athletes is he was willing to say, this is what I'm good at and this is what I can get really good at. And fuck it, I'm going to be the best at this. And, like, that has to be the ultimate takeaway. And that's what made that Bulls team so good was they all fit into their roles. They knew the hierarchy. And while that still doesn't mean that it was perfect all the time, nothing ever is, that at the end of the day, they they put winning above all that bullshit. Scottie Pippen knows he was one of the best players in the NBA, still was always willing to play number two to Michael Jordan. Everybody knew Michael Jordan was the alpha, and Michael Jordan knew he was the alpha and wasn't willing to, you know, give that up. Did he try to start getting other people included? Here and there, yeah. Could he have done a better job? Probably. But also, like, he was going to fucking get his, and rightfully so. And then with Rodman, you know, they talked a lot in this episode about how he really, you know, figured a lot out when Pippen was out that last year and how he shined and then it kind of fucked him up when Pippen came back and he was back to the third string. But at the end of the day, he knew what he was and, you know, he he went on his little bender to get his mind right and he came back and he was ready to go. Yeah. And it just makes you think of all the petty bullshit we have to hear with every team in the NBA. Like we yeah. obviously harp on the Sixers and and the drama here about you know do they spend enough time together off the court? Do they go to enough dinners? Like JJ Redick said, that fucking asshole who also tweeted during this. I love Doug Collins, oh, which was one hundred percent not ironic or sarcastic coming from him. Mm-hmm. Fuck JJ Redick. We are an anti JJ Redick podcast. <laughs> always have been. Always will be. I've got nothing else. Anything else, Steve? I guess one other thing real quick, too, is I liked how there was that kind of national narrative of Jordan only gets uh, scoring titles and not actual championships. And it took him to win his first title for that to stop. And that's just something I didn't think about. So that was was pretty interesting takeaway. Yeah, I mean, it it is kind of one of the things that I think um, is sometimes talked about incorrectly and we're getting... The truth of that now, and this isn't anything being spun by this series, which plenty of it you could argue is, is seeing what the national media narratives were in all the years before he started winning everything. And so clearly, like, you know, I mean, he was drafted in what, 84, 85, yeah. something like that. So it took him, you know, I, I guess, what, six seasons to, to win a title. But you see the arc of him getting there. And, you know, when people try to, for example, compare him to LeBron, it's like, oh, well, you know, he only made six. You know, he won all six, but he only made six. It's like, okay, but, like, now we're seeing the story from getting there. And it's clearly, like, not like one, he was running through the fucking Lakers and, and yeah. Celtics dynasty teams of the 80s. Then this week explained the bad boy Pistons and, and, the, and the problems that they gave them. And it's not like the bad boy Pistons were some team that only showed up and gave the Bulls problems. Like, they fucking swept the Lakers one year in the finals. Like, swept them. A, a Magic Johnson, you know, like, like talented Lakers team yeah. gets swept by the by the bad boy Pistons. <laughs> they were no joke. It's, it's kind of... One thing I always find funny is you forget that the Cavaliers were good at some point before Mark LeBron. Price, baby. Yeah, only because, you know, that one highlight that they always show of Jordan jumping in the air after being the Cavs. They're like, oh, yeah, they were good before LeBron. Like, could kind of forget about that but yeah well you know they 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 weren't the lakers or the celtics or the bad boy pistons or the bulls sucks to suck yep sucks to suck Cleveland. Uh, unfortunately right now you know that that may be us in 10 years is we're the team in the highlight videos of all the other teams winning like that fucking Kawhi shot i'm sorry i didn't mean to 
I blame Steve for these bringing are tough up the, times, people. I blame Steve for bringing up the Cavs. But <laughs> all right, so thanks everybody for listening. We will continue to do this for the next three weeks as the Last Dance continues. Uh, episodes five and six are next Sunday night, so we will have another episode for you then. At some point, either you know, spread through these series, or or maybe as a bonus episode. Or, or maybe we wait till it's over at this point because we've already come this far. We will discuss both of us uh, completing our readings of Tanking to the Top. We are also reading uh, a, a Sixers book about the the more more focused on the Iverson era um, of the 2000-2001 team. But uh, like I would mentioned before, re- have you started that yet? No. All right. I read the first two chapters and I had to put it down because the writing is just not mm. not good. But... You know, it's still something to talk about, and it's still an era that I enjoy. So, you know, maybe I can get past the the subpar writing just to get the nostalgia kick. But after reading Tanging to the Top, which I thought was incredibly well written, it, it's definitely a significant drop off. So, uh, I'm not really recommending it, but you know, we'll, we'll see if we can find anything in there worth talking about. But thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, the Andrew Boss Team. Uh, we are working on building a pod studio here in the podcast paradise to expand our video coverage, to expand uh, the production of our other podcasts, Pucks and Potables and Powerbombs and Potables. Uh, thanks to the brewery so far that have provided us with some uh, swag to put down here, Bout the Hops, which I'm drinking their Hoptimus Prime right now, uh, Flying Fish Brewing, uh, Axe and Arrow, and Kelly Green so far have all been generous enough to to hook us up so that we can uh, prominently display some of their stuff in here, uh, which is really cool for us. So we hope to give you more updates on that soon and hopefully shoot some content that really shows that off once we get that wrapped up. But uh, that's all in the works right now. We are are constantly trying to make this whole thing better, and we appreciate the support and everybody listening. Uh, If you haven't already, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and leave a review. I believe we're at 90 or 91 five-star ratings so we are really trying to get to 100 so it'd be greatly appreciated and make sure that you check out uh power bombs and potables which i think also is probably going to drop on monday uh cory our engineer and friend and the host of power bombs and potables giving you the weekly recap of uh wrestling television what he liked what he didn't everything like that so check that out for steve i'm dan you know fuck all the haters and if you ain't with us then you can all fucking go to hell Fucking go to hell. Something like that. All you fuckers go to hell. All you fuckers go to hell. Trust the podcast. Be safe, everybody.